We've designed a duo podcast, a podcast from the perspective of two designers, Kaya and Rach. Kaya is a junior designer at the beginning of her journey within the industry, and Rach is a senior designer and art director with nearly a decade of experience running her own business. Stick with us as we document our highs and lows of designer life and the learnings we capture along the way. So I actually find I have like less mental blocks when we're busy. So I find that it really depends. If I'm busy with like lots of little things to do, I don't have mental blocks. Yeah. I think that's because my mind is always busy and I'm always like changing what I'm doing. Whereas if I'm on one, for example, one big deck, I will have a mental block somewhere in that process. Like for me, I feel like that's just inevitable. I do also think it depends what it is as well, because like with decks, if you're faced with like loads of content that looks horrendous to begin with, I actually think that's less of a mental block and more of a like, oh my god, I feel a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, like the decks I got the other day. <coughs> Sorry. Um, the decks that I got the other day, I was like, oh, this is fine, I'll be fine, and I got to do it, and I was just sitting there looking at it, and I was like, oh my god, what do I do with this? Because it was so many words, and like, everything was in a chaotic order, Yeah. and I was just sitting there like, oh, and that probably wasn't a mental block, but I did have a couple of pages where I did sit there, and I thought, what do I do? And... I tend to, I don't know about you, Rach, but when I have a mental block, I take my, like, I go off to have a little break, whether it be, like, make tea or make coffee, or sometimes I have lunch in that period of time, like, when I know I'm getting fed up, and Rach knows exactly when I'm getting fed up, because she'll <laughs> literally go, go have lunch. <laughs> yeah, go make your coffee. Yeah, um, but I tend to do that. What do you do? Um, so, another thing I noticed that you do, actually is that you kind of come back to the ones that you're not sure about. And I actually think that's a really good process to do because you kind of give yourself, like, a little bit of slack. Yeah, and I think I learnt that from, like, A-levels and GCSE. Yeah. Because I'd done that with questions I didn't know. And, like, I've always loved maths. And any questions in maths, I was always adamant that I had to do every question. I'd never leave a question. I refused. Yeah. But I'd always, if I couldn't do it, I'd come back. Because I think I'm just I'm just wasting time sitting here. Yeah. Like definitely. if I go design some other slides, yeah. make them look pretty, I'm sure I'll get another idea for this slide. Exactly. And it's about that flow, right? And not inter- interrupting it. So yeah. if you feel like, oh that one I'm not <laughs> God, that was empty. <laughs> I know. So it's about that flow and not interrupting it. So if you feel like oh, that one, like, oh I'm not really sure what I'm doing, um and then you're like come back to it and then you've still got that you're keeping that pace and momentum yeah um and I definitely think it's so much harder to like pick up a deck the next day and be like oh there's some slides which I don't like on here mm. whereas if I know that I can get it done within a day and then deck sorted and that makes me feel a lot better so I can refine it the next yeah definitely the you know how we spoke about previously about like just your um clean it like clean space clean mind and it's almost a little bit like that like clean deck clean mind and like the yeah. cleaner it is I feel like the, the more your mind is coming to terms with it so like the yeah. harder ones might be better to approach a little bit later on in the deck like if the time allows you to do that yeah that's the other thing which I find quite hard about us is some some of the deadlines like I sit there and I'm like oh my god like this 
this would have taken me like three days before and now I've got like one and a half. Yeah. And it's challenging, but it's good also. I know, I actually think there's no better motivator than a deadline. So no, like, I always think that because when I when we have a deadline, I notice that I'll put my head down. Yeah. I'll do it quick. Yeah, definitely. Whereas if we don't and I'm like, oh, I'll get it. Like what I'm doing, what, what I say now to clients is like I give them like the date which I'll give it back to them because we have our to-do list, don't we? Yeah. Which is so, like, it's so convenient. We just put each other's things like we put things on each other's list and I know when I can do it and I know when Rachel can do things um but as soon as I've said like that day it's going to go back to that client mm-hmm. I'm like I can't not send it back to them then yeah it's like, unprofessional you need to be accountable to what you say yeah so that helps us keep us ourselves accountable but like I find that if I've got a deadline, that those decisions where you're like, I'm in an R and like, oh, I'm not too sure if I'm doing this or if I'm going to put do that or if I'm going to move that there. Like, you literally don't have time for that. Like, it has to be, like, really quick-fire decisions. Yeah. And sometimes they're the best ones. Yeah. And also, it just doesn't let you sit there, does it? It doesn't let you sit there with the, the computer being like, oh, I'm not sure I might change that later. You yeah, can't exactly. change that later. It's going to the client. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, for you, like, when I've given you projects, sometimes I've given you deadlines and there hasn't really been a deadline on it or we've been we've had way more for the client, but sometimes it's a little bit better to yeah. you to work towards a time frame. Yeah. It's also really good practice as well. Like if you can get in this, the habit of working at like a quicker pace, which is like a little bit more agency working, I think it will hold you in good stead. Like time equals money, right? Yeah, I always I always find that if I do have a deadline, I'm definitely more motivated to do it. Whereas, like, if I'm kind of given a bit of free reign, I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Not as in the way I don't want to do it. I just, I think I procrastinate more. Well, if you think about, like, how we work, we're on computers where literally everything is available to us. So, yeah. our text messages <laughs> come through, WhatsApp pops through, Facebook's on there, Instagram's on there, like... Literally every distraction that you can yeah. find on your phone is, like, on, on the, the machine that yeah. you're working on to work. To be fair, I haven't yet. I know I probably will. I work with Rachel and Rachel does it. I don't have my texts come through on my laptop because I don't want them to come through. Yeah. But I know you always have them come through because I can always see you, like, <laughs> typing and I'm like, oh... But I'm I'm quite glad I don't have that yet because I feel like I would get very easily distract like distracted. Yeah, I think I'm actually quite good with messages. You're, yeah, you're used to it now. I think yeah. I think you've trained yourself to be like yeah I can respond and get on with work. Yeah, it's like I think it's the other way for me because I know I'm quicker typing on my keyboard than I am on my phone. <laughs> so like if it's a message that I need to reply to, then it's quicker to do it through my computer. But also, like, a lot of work goes through WhatsApp. So, like, freelancers yeah. that we might work with, like, the animator or the dev guy. Um, and it's just so much quicker than email. And Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like everybody tends to respond easier and quicker to, a, like, a WhatsApp message than they do to an email, because an email's more formal. Yeah, Whereas 100%. if you message them on WhatsApp, they're like... Yeah. Oh, hi. Like, like quick question. Yeah. Can, can you do this? But... but yeah, it's much like so more much easier. Yeah. yeah, way to communicate. So, Rach, how would you approach a branding project if you had a mental block? 
yeah, I suppose this is where it gets a little bit trickier and can feel a little bit more scary, right? Because you've got to deliver an end product that is based on like all this nice strategic thinking and you have a complete mental block where <laughs> you're scared you're not going to deliver. I've never thought of that. Yeah. That actually sounds really scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it sounds like ridiculously scary. But um, I think my best advice is like it's always in the research or like it's always in the upfront work. So yeah. when I pull together big projects like that, a lot of it is like a nice... Well, the end output will be a nice big document. And through that will pretty much be a documentation of my thinking. It's a little bit like most of us probably did like art at school or like GCSE or A-level where you documented everything up to your... Final piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I kind of see it a little bit like that. And I mean, we could talk another time about how you might structure a doc like that, but I would start with reiterating the brief back to them. So we stereotypically call it like brief in brief. So it's like their brief in brief, like almost rewriting what they've put to us Yeah. in our words to show that we like understand what they've asked and like reiterated it back to them and then start going into or like breaking down the actual ask and what that involves yeah so that might be like research on certain things mood board or visual research um yeah messaging copywriting is a big one yeah, for a lot of things. things really yeah but i feel like also there's a lot in it to distract you elsewhere like yeah if there's one bit that you're a bit stuck on for the time being you can divert to another bit quickly and be like, oh, all right then. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes having so much to do can be disguised as a mental block when actually it's just about getting stuff down on paper. Yeah, like you're thinking too much. Like you're you're overwhelmed. You're not having a mental block. You're literally just overwhelmed. There's too much to think about. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not going to know all the answers at the beginning of a project like that. Yeah. And that's the point of the project like that so it's to find the answers and to do that discovery work to get you to where you need to be and I just think you need to have like confidence and like faith that your research will promote the best creative solution for the client or for that brief yeah like they're paying you for a reason and I think that's what you've always got to remember like I know you're an expert in the field but we're all going to have days where we have a mental block or we have a little bit of an issue you know and um, especially when like the week is so busy or the week isn't going as planned, I feel like mm. it's just kind of inevitable. And yeah. we're human. Like you can't get everything right straight away, and you might send it back to the client, and they might go, "Oh, I'm, I'm not sure." Yeah, definitely. But normally, I what I think what clients do is they send it back and they go, oh, "But I like this." Yeah. And I like this, so you still got a lead, which I think can actually lead you to better solutions. Yeah, 100%. And especially if you've got a big project where you're doing one of those docs and we would refer to it as like a concept. So like you might have a couple of concepts that you propose to them and then the classic would be that the client would want to amalgamate the two and you're like, it's not really the point, but okay, whatever. (laughs) Um, At least you like something. Um, So yeah, like if you can kind of, you know how we talk about interrogating their brief at the beginning like it's a little bit like that um that point where they check in and decide what they like and what they yeah. don't like like I will almost want clients to be like brutally honest and be like I hate that because then that's quite informative like why do you hate it like why do you have such a strong opinion about it yeah I remember when you done you done a mood board for a client and it was on it was on a branding project wasn't it yeah and um 
you were like, I either want them to tell me that they hate it or they love it. Like, yeah. I would rather them not say, oh, I'm not, I, like, I like that, but you're like, because it's so hard. And actually, I sat there and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, that really makes sense because if they hate it, you get rid of it straight away. Yeah, exactly. You don't even keep it, do you? You're just like, yep, yeah, whatever, bye. And it kind of informs what not to do and what you should be doing, right? Yeah. It's interesting, though, because I always sit there and I listen to you and I'm like, oh, that's that's really interesting because I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Because I've never done a branding project yet. <laughs> Obviously, what, four months in? Well, yeah, I know. I feel like that would be... There's a lot There's a yeah. lot for me to learn still. <laughs> I know, I feel like that would be like throwing you in massively at the deep end. Yeah, but I, mean, I remember you told me to make the mood board. And I was like, what? I thought, like, what is this? I think like the term branding is sometimes, I don't know, like you do branding day to day. Like you follow brand guidelines, like you follow a brand of a client within all the work that you do. Yeah. So... I suppose that the only difference is that you'd be initiating or kind of dictating what the brand looks and says and feels like. So you'd be doing that, like the brand guidelines rather than following it, I guess. We have actually got a project coming up for brand guidelines. That's quite cool. Mm. It's a bit interesting because I've I've always handled, well, like I've done branding for like the initial upfront bit, but I've never been the one to handle brand guidelines. Really? Yeah. I've just always so been the like, brand guidelines the... are like, you do do this and you don't do this. Yep. So that's when they write like, you don't have it in capital letters, you never do that. Yep. Okay. And they, a really good brand guideline doc would like basically outline everything. So like a brand's tone of voice. So how a copywriter should write for them because you might have like a really cheeky tone and one or you might have like a really serious tone and that's quite different. Like if you think about someone like KFC who are like quite notorious or Burger King quite notorious for their like cheeky advertising. Yeah. As opposed to someone like a really formal brand. I can't think off the top of my head now, but I don't know, like a big corp, yeah. like a bank, for instance, probably wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Um, like I feel like a lot of fast food in that industry, they're quite cheeky and they're quite witty. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's consumer, right? So, like, you're appealing to the masses, basically. Yeah, and I feel like, I guess, having fast food is a little bit cheeky. Like, it can be seen as being cheeky, you know? But that's the kind of thing, that, that, that the kind of thought that you'd think about when you were starting that, pro- yeah. like, a branding project. So... If KFC, or like if the colonel would come to you and be like, I want you to brand my chicken shop, <laughs> you wouldn't approach that brand like... That. In a really serious way, being like, you've got this many calories in this bit of chicken. Yeah. But you wouldn't approach that the same as you would for like maybe Goldman Sachs. You know, yeah. there's like a clear distinction there. So with them, like with the brand... Um, guidelines. Guidelines. <laughs> It's just like, what word is it? Um, who do you get in for that? Do you have to get, like, a copywriter in? Um, or do you make it up? So, like, you know where we're saying, like, a cheeky tone or, or serious tone? Yeah. Do you do all of that? Yeah, so, at first, yes. Like, we would almost advise onto what we think it should sound like, because that's oh, all-encompassing, okay. right? Like, yeah. you kind of feel the one at the beginning saying this brand should look, say, feel, and all these things. 
but maybe later on down the line if they have set bits of copy or like set headlines or something like that then you'd get like a copywriter's input and don't get me wrong it's not a bad thing to ever have copywriter's input from the beginning Um, yeah you just might not always get that luxury that's it's almost like bigger brands would probably do that because they've got more resource or more cash to throw at it yeah um but I also think like I've said this before like the difference between a good and a great designer um but another part that promotes being a great designer is being able to handle yourself when it comes to like the messaging and parts of the copywriting I'm not saying that any of us are experts at copywriting because that's not really what we do like (laughs) we are pictures not words stereotypically but also like coming up with the ideas for a campaign includes the words as well and what it says yeah um and then maybe you kind of say like I I want it to say something along these lines and a copywriter perfects that or like refines it a little bit to make it sound like yeah so it's still your initial idea yeah but they've just made it sound a little bit better I guess yeah definitely I've also worked on like um uh projects for agencies mainly we call them like visual identities so it'll be a brand with a clear distinct brand so you'll have brand guidelines that you always work towards or like you'll be on the x account so you'll be on this client's account okay and you're always creating design for them and then they might come with you like oh we've got a campaign maybe it's like a like information security campaign and we need to create a visual identity that aligns to the brand guidelines but looks and feels like this like a certain way for specific to that campaign so that would include okay. like lines of copy and what it might look like visually in line of the client's brand guidelines oh. learning, learning lots of new things today <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's like um a huge subject really branding like there's so much to it it's quite yeah interesting. i feel like when people say like oh we do branding i just think yeah but but what yeah because there's so much that you can do like you can do rebranding you can do branding you can do like literally start from scratch and I just think that's such a overwhelming big thing to to be like yeah that's what I do yeah 100% and there's a big difference between um, branding and like logos (laughs) but this is what I feel like in the graphic design industry there's a lot of freelancers out there that are like, I'm a branding expert. But in reality, what they do is they do logos. Yeah, and they might do a logo for like 50 quid. Yeah. And I sit there and I think, like, but is that a branding specialist? Yeah, well, no. <laughs> but, I don't know if they are, but I think that comes back to budget, right? So people don't necessarily have like thousands to throw at like a big brand yeah which I don't 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 agree with well yeah (laughs) I don't yeah but I don't actually agree with like if your your brand is your business this is like your first point of call or like your first point of contact with any of your future customers you want it to look professional yeah 100% I always think when I look at a logo and it doesn't look professional I think what are you doing because I do and that might just be me from like a designer perspective looking at it being like oh I'm not too sure about that yeah but I do always think that like that's the first thing I look at I look at the logo and I look at like it sounds really silly but whether it's pixelated or not yeah 
because I find that a lot of people on social media, especially if they don't really have a clue, a lot of logos and a lot of images are pixelated and I don't think they realise how much that can affect them. Yeah, so that would just be someone like commissioning a logo maybe on Etsy for like £50 or something. Yeah. It's just branding is so much more than just a logo. Um, I know I'm talking about the first point of contact with any potential customer, which it's probably your logo, yes, but it's almost like how you act or like encompass yourself as a brand. So yeah, the, the feelings that it promotes. Yeah, like we have this client and she does that brand of the week and I actually, I actually love looking at these brands of the week because they're all like eco-friendly. They're all like really nice, but actually they've all got really nice branding, most of them. And I look at their like, their messaging and their logos and and things like this and I'm like this is really cool Mm. like the way they put themselves out on social media I think wow like you look the part (laughs) yeah definitely I mean it's almost so good that it's unquestionable right or yeah it's it's really easy to spot a bad brand, but like a really good brand, you're like, oh, cool. You're probably too busy buying something if it's a really good brand. Yeah. To be with you. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Um, it's interesting though. I feel like how pe- like different people pick up on different things. Yeah. And I feel like for our industry, we're all like branding is so important, but actually in reality, like all these other people don't realise. And mm. I feel like all they think about with branding is I need a logo. Yeah. That's it. That's all they genuinely do think about because they don't understand that, okay, you've got to have some nice colours and you've got to have messaging and there's, like, a real thing that basically goes on in the background. Yeah. I just... Yeah, I think with brands, like, it's so important to feel authentic and to almost have, like, a relatability kind of side to it. Like, there are a couple of... I don't know if I'm allowed to say them out loud, but for all the fitness potential crossfitters out there there's a brand called wit so it's called whatever it takes and um they basically just sell clothes sell nike clothes and any sports clothes but they've it's and their logo is great and their branding and it looks so slick and professional but it's almost like they've created a movement rather than like a brand itself That's like interesting. people buy into them because it's like if they've got wit on their top they are basically saying they've got whatever it takes. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. I think we've hit our time for today, but watch out for our next episode to hear all things design. And if you haven't already, hit subscribe, and we would love for you to leave us a five-star review. You can find us on all podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and make sure to follow us over on Instagram at designerduo.studio. Speak soon. Bye.